been a while, hasn't it? It's been... Probably a month. It feels that way, doesn't it? Well, we had a lead, didn't we? We, <laughs> we dropped the ball last week. Is that really a week ago? It was, wasn't it? Fucking hell. We dropped the ball last week. Forgot we were doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> week you before forgot. it was a lead. You did, I, I, but you're the CEO. The responsibility is yours, man. Hey, I can't, I can't control what goes on. Get that your fucked up mind of yours. You, you can't avoid any of that, can you? You can't he was like, oh, oh, your responsibility. Where were you going? He's going like, I've got to go to the fish market or some fucking wank. Fish market? Some quenching the butt. I don't know. Listen, it's just, I hear excuses, excuses, excuses. Where did I go last Friday? I, I, it was taking Holly, wasn't it? I've got the gun to done. Dentist to some, I don't fucking know. I was the dentist. Dentist, yeah. That was it. So Holly's fucking, fucking, fucking us up in more ways than one. Well, but you know the irony, right? We sat, we sat there. Well, she sat in the dentist. I sat in the car park for nearly an hour. And she came out and says, "I've rescheduled because they were running behind." So yeah. two minutes of my life, I will never get back. Mm-hmm. Well, about 45 minutes. So I took a five-minute walk to the Polish shop to get some fabulous Polish mayonnaise. What, mayonnaise? Mayonnaise, yeah. Mayonnaise. I've still yet to find a good Polish shop that does good sauerkraut. Well, I mean, there's... I don't think there's really good or bad sauerkraut. It's fucking pickled cabbage, mate. I mean, it's, it's pretty much the same, I'm sure. You'd have to be seriously fucking... Look, man, you'd have to be seriously fucking incompetent to screw up fucking sauerkraut, wouldn't you? Well, Toby, who we both thing work the- with. Toby, who we both work with. Do you make your own? No, but I could do if I wanted to. Yeah. It's just not so worth Toby- it. It costs about three quid for a half a kilo. Yeah, it's nothing. Toby, who we both work with, is very adamant that the sauerkraut that I eat must be the refrigerated kind. Oh, it does. That that's where I struggle. Yeah, that's what, that's what I mean by decent. I struggle to find the refrigerated yeah, if kind. Yeah, if it's, if it's in a jar on a shelf, it's going to be sterile. Because, I mean, I, don't mind, I actually don't mind the taste. When I first started eating, I thought, this is like fucking drain cleaner, you know? <laughs> but it's actually quite refreshing, and it's it's the gut bacteria that are in it. And if, you, mm. if that's on the, the pasteurized jar, it's dead. Now, do you want to hear something really funny? Go on. You know Rocco, my daughter's great big killer Rottweiler. Yeah. It loves sauerkraut. Does it? I'm not joking. I'll video it later. It loves sauerkraut. When it sees me getting this fucking packet out of the fridge, it runs up to the floor. <laughs> I mean, he's the softest boy. He really is gentle, but he does like his sauerkraut. Must have an excellent... Large craps. Oh, he's he just gigantic shits. Talking, talking of Toby. Dog now, not Toby, right? <laughs> talking of Toby. Speaking of Toby. Not about yeah. his toilet. I stole an email from you today. You did, you cunt. I did. You did? I've got a busy I, I day. Noticed. I got I mean, a busy I day. Think, I think that's disgraceful. You're a CEO, right? You shouldn't be plagiarising. You shouldn't be plagiarising your underlings work. And I know we're both found the CEO, but you're the CEO. Your job is not to steal my fucking expertise. Isn't that the job of the CEO to take no. all of the praise and credit for the underlings? No, no, no. <laughs> you dish out the praise and let others take it, and you take on the responsibility. Well, let me give you wrong. the praise. 
I <laughs> I intended because we we were both speaking to Toby yesterday and he had a we wonderful were. day and we'll get into that he did. in a second and I thought right that's today's email sorted and this often happens we we have the same idea and I go to write the email and I find that you've already written them I thought of why waste my time when John is such a good writer I will just steal this because he's so bloody good everyone should read this Dude, flattery will get you fucking nowhere. You realise that. Oh, you? you ask for fucking praise. I give you praise. Uh, if, you if, you, if you were, say, Kate Beckinsale, or indeed any, any functioning female, it'd be different. But you're not. I, you're, I you're, can't you're be a, a female. You're a boy band reject. You don't no see matter me on the It's going to get me to give you a blowjob, all right? Money, yes, but not flattery. You don't see me on the weekends. I'm a rather attractive young lady. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, this email that I stole. What about it? Why were we even talking about Toby in the first place, John? Well, Toby is a poster boy, isn't he, only for us? He's he's certainly becoming a proper poster I mean, boy. He's in the Shame about the looks. I'm going to see it. <laughs> and, the, and the hairstyle. He's <laughs> got, got one more, like mine, other not But mm. Toby is in an industry. I mean, that... We'll call him a PT. He's not a PT. He's a he's a PT in the same way as I'm a copywriter. It, it kind of touches close, but it's it's he goes far beyond. He specialises in mobility, strength, and longevity. So that touches on things like diet and cardio fitness as well. So I mean, most people, most uninformed people, most lay people would probably say he's a PT. But he's not. He's, he's not more than that. But it's for sake of argument, that's as PT. He's in an industry where you can get a so-called fully serviced three-month program from a so-called expert for like 67 quid, all right? And that's to, she will do your diet. She'll give you exercise. She'll give you your Zoom check-ins once a week. 67 quid, all right? Well, Toby yesterday, never mind a 10K month, Yesterday, Toby had, so this is the Thursday, we're recording this on the Friday. Toby had a 10K day. Now, he joined Core Control almost exactly a year ago. It could even be exactly a year ago to the day, I can't remember. But it was about October, November. And I remember at the time, it was a, I wouldn't say a struggle. I can't say it was a struggle because I don't know him that well. I didn't know him that well. But it was a serious commitment at the time financial agreement for him to join us and it was a leap of faith and if i'd have said to him a year ago don't worry mate in a year's time you'll be selling what you're currently selling for about 500 quid for two and a half grand and other packages for 10 grand up to 10 grand he would have laughed him laughed in my face yeah you would have thrown he would have thought I was alone. He would have thought I was making this up. And I do remember when I first said to Toby, and I mooted the idea of, look, what you do is great. And you know, I've been working with Toby for over a year now, and it's changed my life physically. So, you know, I'm coming at this with some knowledge. I said to him, you know, knowing what I know about what you do and the difference it makes to people, bearing in mind I'm knocking on the door of 60 now, I said, you know, you could be selling a 10K program just like we are with what we do and he was what but nah can't do that can i 
well, now he's now he's doing it, and I think this is the he's sold a few a few of them. And he's not really put. Don't, don't get me wrong when I say this. When I say he's not put, he's not really started yet. He's still working out the systems. Mm. When he turns on the tap fully, it'll be ridiculous. And in fact, he'll get so busy he'll need to rethink what he's doing because he he won't be able to do all these. I do hope he doesn't mind us talking about him like this. <laughs> um, I'm sure he doesn't. He won't because he, he sure writes this stuff. He writes this stuff publicly in the group. He certainly does. So Toby's a poster boy for us, but the thing is, it's not like he's a member of the special sperm club, you know, or he was born with a silver spoon, or, or indeed we've taken special steps to make him a success. It's not like that. He's just done the work we tell everybody to do, and he's doing it in a, an extremely competitive market. Where it can't be done. Where it, where it can't be done, all right? And even more than that, he's basically doing all of it off on link off LinkedIn, which other people say, "Oh, it doesn't work for me." Well, it, it, it's never going to be the best, I don't think, for anyone except LinkedIn trainers. But it is effective for some people. It's effective for us in very small numbers. We we are we are ramping up elsewhere, obviously. But you know, it, it's it's not that hard. The most impressive thing, though, with Toby isn't even... It's his pecs. They're, they're, they're impressive pecs. <laughs> it isn't even really the fact that he's been able to close those deals. Of course, that's impressive in and of itself, but to us, it's no surprise. No. Uh, we see Peter C. clients routinely, you know, double, triple, 10x, 30x, 100x their prices. And we uh, do no exaggeration there. And we do it ourselves. And we know our sales system works because, again, we've been doing it and installing it for years and years and years. The most impressive thing about Toby is he had almost zero belief at the beginning, scoffed at the idea of premium pricing, scoffed at various rather contrarian things we teach, but he knuckled down, put on his coat of armor, and did it anyway. And even when there those those doubtful thoughts come in when you're not a millionaire overnight, he said, Nope, I'm gonna be resilient, I'm gonna put my head down, and I'm gonna follow the beaten path. And that might sound silly, like, well, of course he he should do that because he's paid money to work with you guys. We've been doing this long enough to know that <laughs> a pretty large indicator of success in business as a whole, not just with our systems, is how resilient you are. Oh, resilience is... Yeah, I mean, it's almost a dirty word these days because I, I get it. I get why. I, under... I mean, when I say that, I don't mean I agree with it. I understand, understand. why people... But why it's gone down that route. And I suspect it's gone down that route because to be resilient is hard. Mm-hmm. And if we can make being resilient something which, and I've had this said to me, something which is a, a privilege, even better for it to be a white male privilege to be resilient. If we can make it something like that, then we can make it something which is perhaps a little bit undesirable. Mm. And then we can excuse ourselves from doing the work. But resilience, I think, is something we should be teaching in school. And all it means, really, is the the ability to deal with adversity 
in some kind of courageous and, and meaningful way and not just curl up into a ball and blame the algorithm, your parents, people saying mean things, the weather. I mean, I've even seen recently people saying they can't focus on their work because of what's going on in Israel and Palestine, Gaza. It's too upsetting for them. Um, I, I've seen people doing it about the war in Ukraine. Right. Now, but for the hard of thinking, I am not now talking about the events which are transpiring in Ukraine or Palestine. I'm talking about people's reaction to those events. They're two very different things. If you can't understand that, I suggest you stop listening and go and find someone else to bother because I'll just laugh at you. So maybe diary of CEO. Yeah, diary. <laughs> yeah, so I'm at your level. People are are getting upset to the point they can no longer function. That's not resilient at all. I even saw, well, I didn't see this. I've, I've seen several tearful, I'm laughing because I can't believe it, but I've seen it in my own eyes. I've seen people posting tearful selfies because of Matthew Perry dying. <laughs> the actor from Friends. I didn't even like the fucking program. I thought it was terrible. <laughs> not that I wish any harm on the guy, but. But I, but I was informed by one of my friends, one lady friend. One woman posted, she 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 exhaled herself and posted a tearful video, crying about Matthew Perry dying. I mean, having that reaction at all, I think, is not very resilient of anyone. But hey, if you do it in the privacy of your own home, no one has to know about it. And it's probably best left that way because mm -hmm. doing that on a business platform where if you're not there to do business, why the fuck are you on it in the first place? No matter how you think you're going to do business on it, whether you believe this nonsense about being your true, rural, authentic self, building relationships, giving value, and then getting in business. Whether you're doing it that way or the way we do it with a direct sale, it doesn't make any difference at all. You're on LinkedIn to do business. If you're, the, if you're not, why are you there? So, but with that premise in mind, does she really believe showing a picture of a video of herself crying about the death of someone she didn't know and probably wouldn't like very much if she did? <laughs> don't like most people we meet. We just don't. Does she really think that is going to attract anyone to her to do business? What part of her personality does she think that's going to make her a the number one choice to fulfill that role? in someone else's business and with her as a freelancer. Who's going to say, yeah, did you see that woman? She's completely incapable and inadequate when it comes to dealing with adult concepts and, and, and trials and tribulations of life. Let's put our business in her hands. She looks like a good bet to me. Please, people. Oh, yeah. I think we're both in agreement, John, when we say the best, most effective businesses are essentially... It's essentially leadership of, of their clients and of their market. Yeah. And that, that's and how you run a business most effectively and yourself. Now, I don't care what anyone says about, oh, they like their leaders to be um, honest with them and to be themselves. We can get that. But I, I, don't, I wouldn't fully believe anyone that said to me, yes, I would like someone in my company that has to take time off work because a celebrity died. <laughs> no. I, I think no. that's a relatively fair thing to say. I think you're probably on the mark there. 
Yeah, because I mean, it doesn't show any form of effective leadership because typically, especially when you're a freelancer, you're being brought in because you've got a very specific skill set that they typically can't afford to hire full-time within the company, nor do they have any knowledge about it to try and attempt it themselves. That's typically how it is with a freelancer. They've probably got deadlines too. Mm-hmm. And they need work to be done, <laughs> not someone who's crying on a ball in, the, on, in a ball mm-hmm. on the carpet. Because some random Hollywood actor has committed existential suicide. Mm-hmm. And what it seems to have been. As you, I think the most important thing there is, yeah, they're hired typically for projects to meet deadlines. And by posting something like that, you are basically saying, I cannot work right now. Too sad. Goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> it's not even like there's been a death in the fucking family, is it? Mm. It's a rat- uh, and the thing is, right, people die all over the world every day. Let, let's make no bones about it. What's happening in, in Gaza is... is I, I can't imagine. I can't get my head around Horrific. What it must be like to be living in a city with... Well, a few a fewer now because 10,000 of them are dead, but over 2 million people in a very narrow strip of land with no incoming supplies of water, medicine, food, or fuel. Everything's running out. People are dying. No matter nowhere is safe. I cannot imagine how how that must be. It must be incredibly trying. That said, there will be people there who are being resilient about it, just like Viktor Frankl was in the concentration camp. So this isn't about that. So I can't imagine how awful that is. But it but that's happening. That kind of thing is happening to individuals all over the world. Every single day, there are, for instance, I bet every single day on this planet, somebody burns to death in a car crash. I'd say that's a fair guess. I don't see people getting very upset about that, except immediate family and maybe the people who attend the scene. Why not? I'll tell you why not, because people don't actually care that much. But it's my favourite actor. It's all about you, isn't it? It's all narcissistic. How I feel about it. And I want to be very clear here. If you're listening to this, you're likely running a business. What we're talking about here is the importance of resilience and not being a fuckwit when it comes to running your business. If you feel some form of need to address a situation, stop yourself and just ask why. You're usually fueling some form of internal ego. You're not behaving strategically in the best interest for the company, your own pocket. You are you you want to to virtue signal that look at me, I too am a good person. That will do nothing for your bottom line. If you look at all of these large companies, whenever it's Gay Pride uh, week, day, month, I'm not sure how long it is. I have attended several in Brighton, funnily enough, but not for the reasons you may think. Uh It's a good day out. It's a good day out. When they first started, these large companies, when the first couple popped their head up, shout out you, and they, they changed their logos to the Gay Pride flag and posted about it, that was a little bit brave but now like clockwork every large brand does it and it does nothing to move the needle for them and if anything now the lgtbq and i'm not doing that on purpose i genuinely don't know it i'm sorry (laughs) good luck with that one mate i'll just sit here and watch you struggle they actually hate it now when these large companies do the virtue signaling and it will be the same if you're posting useless crap on linkedin do you remember some time ago, I've not heard it for a while, but the thing, silence is violence. No, I haven't heard that. 
face it. If no. you don't speak up about these things, you're as guilty because you're culpable. That's just nonsense. Oh, yeah. I've heard there that. are is a it, million... Is that mandated in law in some countries? Um, to some extent, yeah. I think, for instance, in France, if someone... In action in France, French law is a crime. So if someone's drowning yeah. and you can help and you don't, it's a crime. Not in English law, unless it's been changed in the last few years. I, I think you are right. I was thinking about France. Um, I don't know about other countries. So I do remember that about France. But um, it's nonsense. that There are a million and one hobby horses out there. And it's it's perfectly okay to say to someone who rides by you on their hobby horse and says, quick, jump on my hobby horse with me. I'm so outraged and angry by this thing. It's perfectly okay to say, well, I kind of generally support your aims, but I'm not that interested. Mm. All right? And when you do that effectively, or just, you're just silent, people say, well, that means you hate black people or you hate gay people. No, it just means that I've got a million and one things that require my attention and that ain't one of them. Yeah, before I can fix the world, I've got to fix my own house up. Thank you very much. And then they'll say, oh, it's okay for you because you don't know what I'm going through. Well, you're right about that. I don't know what you're going through, but you know what? You don't know what I'm going through either. And you know why? Because I don't spend all day on fucking social media talking about it. Right. Will you please stop clicking your pen? Oh, can you hear that? Oh, it's, it's going through like a pickaxe. Fair enough. I wasn't even clicking. Seriously. I was playing. Look, that, uh, that is an autistic thing. I know. It's, I've seen you at meetings have meltdowns about it. I hardly have meltdowns. I just tell people to stop doing it. You go, <laughs> tell them again. I cry, don't I? Yeah, you're not resilient whatsoever. I can't work. <laughs> no, what you do is you burst into tears and then you go, quick, Connor, take a photo of this. Yeah, and I go, look so, at our raw, authentic co founder. But here's the thing often you, you can't even have these conversations because the moment you try and have a conversation about anything like this, you get these people, these shrieking people, stand up and saying, that means you're racist or sexist or insert your favourite minority phobic. No, it just means I'm trying to have a dialogue. And here's the important thing here. And this applies to to all kind of business issues, such as should freelancers be paid more? Should you get paid up front? Should you work for free? Etc. All the way through to Hamas and the Israelis. Okay, if we can't have and we don't have conversations will never solve any problems. Yeah. Regardless, well, let's, let's take the extreme, Hamas and Israel right now. Uh, it's, it's, absolute, it's, it's, it's hell on earth. It must be hell on earth. Right? And you, I, you can see conceptually both sides of the argument, I'm sure. But neither side thinks they're in the wrong. I'm not, I, I don't have an opinion, so please don't anyone say, well, it's obviously you're in the wrong here. Yeah, maybe to you, it's not to me. It, I don't have no enough, so I'm not having an opinion other than to say it would be really cool if people stopped killing each other. That's what I would like. But would be that won't happen until both sides sit down and talk because neither of them thinks they're in the wrong. Nobody in the wrong or nobody, nobody doing anything evil or what most people would think was evil. No one thinks of the bad guy. Rapists, paedophiles, murderers, thieves... Estate agents. No one thinks they're the bad guy. They, they just like it. Like, yeah, they wouldn't do it. They could always excuse it. I mean, religious fanatics on both sides, whatever religion, they all think they're in the right because their holy book says they're in the right. I think Everyone else can play fuck with, but they, you think you're right. It's fair to say 
what we're trying to tell you here is it's okay to, to not have an opinion on absolutely everything. And the reason we're talking about this is I imagine it's actually the silent majority that are feeling like, am I the only one that, you know, yeah, it's bad, but Christ, come on. We've got things to crack on with. Get a grip. It's okay. Yeah, get a grip. Get a hold of yourself. You've got shit to do. Crack on. Do you remember that the start of COVID... When all first these... night of September. What? Do you remember? You don't know it. Crack on. No, don't. Don't give up your day job, mate. <laughs> uh, I can see why they turned you down for the application for the boy band. Uh, X facts. Anyway. They did not want anything to do with me. No, I'm not surprised. Anyway, start COVID. All those people coming out of the woodwork. Stop marketing yourself. Read the room. We're all in the same boat. Do you remember that? Yeah. And then when Putin had that massive cocaine-fueled bender over the weekend <laughs> and invaded Ukraine. You've seen the meme, haven't you? Yeah. Invaded Ukraine. People changing their load, uh, their, their headline to a, with, a, with a Ukrainian flag. Standing with Ukraine. No, you're not. You're in middle-class England posting something on LinkedIn, get a grip, um, saying stop marketing yourself. I've not seen anyone saying the same about this thing in the Middle East, to be fair, but I bet they're out there. Of course well, they are. They're just virtue signaling. There's no mm -hmm. reason whatsoever to stop marketing yourself, to stop selling. Who does it benefit? Seriously. Me not marketing myself because of some far-flung war, which doesn't affect me directly. How does that benefit anyone? You know, and if people get upset, their feelings are hurt because I carry on as usual, business as usual. Whose responsibility are those feelings? Mine or theirs? It's theirs, isn't it? It's theirs. And a far more honourable route is to continue marketing, make more money, and if you really and care, donate some money to the cause. Well, I, I saw somebody, I've seen several people, I don't know this woman, I don't know her from Adam, but she was saying she can't focus on her work to what's going on in the Middle East. And she's a, a, she appears to be quite a successful middle-class white woman who I know in other posts frequently talks about white male privilege. Maybe this is just me, Connor, but I don't think there's much more... Nothing screams privilege louder than a middle-class white woman in, in England posting that she cannot work because this stuff that's going on all around the world. And how she stands with the Palestinians. The privilege she must be enjoying to allow her that luxury. Because obviously somebody else is paying the bills at this point if she's not working. <laughs> it just defies the explanation to me. It's just amazing how she talks about privilege and she behaves in that way. It's just fucking phenomenal, really. She needs to it's check like her privilege. Oh, definitely to check her privilege. Definitely. So, so what, what, what are the lessons we're distilling here, John, for the wonderful business owners? Well, I think, I mean, there's just so many, because this, this stuff I've been thinking about, the, the stoic leadership and attitude model, because it's something I'll develop over the next year, 2024. And there's so much of this stuff is intertwined. And at the core of it is resilience. I mean, resilience is something, I said earlier, it's a dirty word, isn't it? It's, you know, it's, it's, most people these days seem to think it's akin to 
victim blaming. Yeah. No? Being telling someone to be strong is like, well, you don't know how it feels. That's victim blaming. Well, no, it isn't. The shit's happened anyway. How you deal with it is now up to you. And you'd be happier if you deal with it in a resilient way than a non-resilient way. But I think we should be teaching it in schools. I mean, they, their schools is a good example. I mean, I don't think anyone would admit would would would, would accept bullying is is right in any way, shape, or form. I don't think anyone and everyone would say, well, we should probably do something about it if we know it's happening, and we should educate kids not to do bullying. But the other side of the coin is this: we should also educate kids. It's okay to stand up for yourself and punch a bully in the face. And to, to say to kids, bullying will happen. You will probably be bullied at some point. And when that does happen, while we're dealing with it as adults, assuming you fucking tell us it's going on, and we can deal with it, you need to be strong. Because bullies love weakness. Again, that's not victim blaming. No. It's it's like... Uh... It's all in sense. <laughs> it is, it's, it's like... <laughs> It's like saying to those uh, that are currently being bombed, uh, rather than saying like, right, this is really shit, but you need to, it's like if we were to say to those people, you're being bombed, you know, you need to get to bomb shelters and whatnot. People saying to us, well, you're victim blaming. You shouldn't be giving them that advice. They shouldn't be bombed in the first place. Well, yeah, but the fact of the matter yeah. is it's happening. So, so they need to know crime. where's safe, where to go. They need to know where to get water. We can't just say, put our, dig our heads into the sand and say this isn't happening. It's a ridiculous thing. It's, to, it's, it's denying human nature as well to try and eradicate bullying and trying to eradicate wars is, is, is much of a pipe dream. Well, another way to look at resilience is this. I know it's an analogy or a metaphor I think people will understand. And I use it a lot, really, this kind of thing, because everybody got the memo. If you want to get stronger, you go into the gym, don't you? And you, you try to lift weights. Well, you, you lift weights, and you lift a weight until you can't lift a weight because it's too heavy. Yep. Well, you don't then, unless, you, unless you're a particularly weak kind of individual, you don't think, well, I can't lift that weight now, so I'm going to give up. You go back the next week, and, and the next week you perhaps get you know, a bit closer to it. And you keep doing that by continually stressing yourself and, sh and showing resilience. You get stronger until you can lift that way. Well, resilience in the mental sense is no different. You, you, you have to withstand the trials of life because let's face it, everyone, you, unless you die first, you, your parents are going to die. Yeah. Yeah? That's the natural order of things. Uh -huh. Well, if you've got a dog, again, unless you die first, you're going to lose your dog or your cat. And you may lose your fucking children, you know? And uh, while none of us would like that to happen, we have to face up to the fact it's a possibility. So for our own, our own strength, our own future mental health maybe, we need to get our heads around the idea that I've got this dog and it's going to die, my parents are going to die. So you need to be strong in advance of these things happening so when they do happen, you're not like the guy going into the gym trying to do a hundred kilo squat, and he can't, he can barely manage twenty. So I actually do, and this is a practice, by the way. This is a daily practice or a weekly practice or something you can do. I often will sit with my colleague. I absolutely love and adore my colleague, and I will sit there and I will think about you know the last time I will get to do this and the day I take you to the vet to be to be put down, and how how that's going to be. How will I behave at that point? What will that feel like? And some people might think, oh, that's just fucking morbid. I don't want to think about that. 
Well, it's not morbid and you really do want to think about it because one day, unless you're the kind of cowardly shit who won't go with your vet dog to the vets because it's too upsetting, which mean, in my opinion, makes you fucking one of the worst people on the planet. Unless that's you're like that, you're going to find it really hard to deal with if you don't think about this in advance. Sorry, Tamsin just walked in and really threw me off. I know, I heard. She'd throw me off too. Probably a bridge, to be fair. It's all right, Tamsin. Is she naked or something? Fully clothed, which is quite unusual. We're nudists, you see. I can tell. You're (laughs) naked below the waist, aren't you? Oh yeah, this is this isn't even a real shirt. It's just CGI'd on after. <laughs> yeah, which of a teaching resilience, and what this means, because right, people listen to this from like the, the beginning of the the, the opening remarks about Toby and whatnot. Well, Toby showed great resilience because you know we all go through quiet times, and you know we all get tempted to take on work that we know we shouldn't because the money's mm-hmm. there, and it takes real fortitude and strength and courage and resilience to say no to to, to work you shouldn't be doing and don't want to do. And so a lot harder to say no than yes. Far harder. It is, definitely. Mm, and yes, it's, it's, it's beneficial. Because you see, what most people don't understand actually is they think no is restrictive. It isn't. No is actually more is less restrictive than a yes. Because, you know, imagine if this isn't true. If you say yes to something, you basically cut out everything else that would follow. Mm-hmm. Whereas a no, you only stop one thing. Every other option yeah. is still open to you. Whereas a yes cuts out all other options. A no doesn't. It just stops that one. Yeah. We're always like looking that. for no project management, oh, sales, everything. It's always, oh, where's, where's the no here? Mm. Um, it's it's also can be really scary for business owners when when they've finally got the damn thing working because it takes a fucking while to get a business working it takes a lot of fucking effort to get it going some people are lucky and, and the, the mm. first thing they do works really well that's yeah. rare but it does happen but for the most part it takes a tremendous amount of effort to get something going get it off the ground and to get it to cruising altitude <laughs> it can then be quite scary to go right you know we've been cruising at a million a year let's gun for you know, million and a half. That can be really scary for some people as well to even acknowledge that uh, the business needs to grow for whatever reason. Um, we're dirty capitalist pigs, so we're growth at all costs, you know, type of guy, so we're not scared of it. But it's a real thing for business owners, and that can be really scary, but you just got to fucking brush it off, be resilient. I've been Incredible. I've been thinking about that because you know in our elite group we've got some businesses that are I hate to say poised to take it to the next level because it's the kind of shit that various scuzzy they're primed markets. for growth <laughs> they're primed for growth and we're talking of exponential or, or geometric growth here not just incremental so maybe going from a million to ten million not mm. just to ten point to to one point one or one point mm. two or whatever and I think part of it is. People resist it because, well, there are lots of reasons, but I think for the most part, people at the lower end of the scale, say from 50K to 150K or so, I think they they struggle because it means making changes. And, and here's the thing. They don't, often they don't understand that their results are a consequence of their actions. There's a lot, often a lag time. Yeah, and they think which makes it hard. I'm doing hundred grand a year because of what I'm doing, but I don't want to change it because it might break. 
And they don't seem to understand that actually it, it won't break because what you've got is a robust process. And if you put twice as many leads in the front of it, you on balance get twice as many leads at the end of it. They don't see the connection in, in, in business terms. They don't see the connection between marketing, sales, and profits. And you and I know, if we want to double our income, just give John twice as many calls. On balance, mm-hmm. that's what we'll get. You know, They don't seem to understand there's actually a direct link. And that's because they don't understand marketing and sales. Yeah, they know that somehow these things create profit, but they don't really understand the process. It's a where like that a link is. Box. Mm-hmm. You know, and like, that's the the one thing I try and beat out of people: these things are linear; they they are consequential. You know, they're not just random. No, and you have to identify it, and you have to have the bollocks to go after it and to do the fucking work. Uh, it can be scary, but as John just rightly pointed out, it doesn't have to be. There's only really what. You can do something new, you can do more of the same thing, or you can do what you're doing now just better. So, for example, the the example John gave there is if we want to make twice the amount of sales, our best bet is just having more leads because his close rate is already at 75%. If, for example, his close rate was at 10% and we had plenty of leads, we'd be like, well, we don't need more leads, we need better sales. Mm. It's more or better. That's we. That, that, that's just the two questions you should be asking yourself as a business owner when you're looking over the things. More or better. There is a time and a place for new, but that doesn't mean destabilizing the existing system that already works. All of these things can be scary. They don't need to be, especially when you're in the hands of trusted advisors such as myself. We'll ignore John for the time being. <laughs> Nobody wants to be in my hands, like no. Those calloused old tiny pot of gold dwarf hands. God, fucking an A cup would it was a handful for you, isn't it, mate? <laughs> I've got quite small hands, haven't I? I'm like, my my wife, who's a good three inches shorter than I am, and obviously slighter frame, her hands are about the same size as mine. <laughs> Ever seen me and Donald Trump in the same room at the same time? I've really wondered where you was going with that when talking about your Mrs. EBG there, <laughs> <laughs> after referencing cup sizes. <laughs> <laughs> Could have been TMI. Yeah. All right, John, give us a one-sentence summary. Of what? Of what we've just spoken about. Because oh, so, to some people, it can sense. feel... Well, just then make it fucking a one-minute summary. Because a lot of this stuff, I, okay. I'm fully aware, might that, be very that, obvious to work, but it could the be airy-fairy. The greatest life skills you will ever learn is the life skill of resilience. Dealing with adversity, you know, I mean, Roger, Roger Kipling summed it up very well in his poem, If. And only if all around you is going to shit, and if you can keep your head, then my son, you'll be a man. Well, it applies to women as well. You know, That's the gist of the poem. Basically, if you can stay cool, calm, and collected when everyone else is running around screaming, we're all going to die, we're all going to die, that is leadership. And it all does boil down to leadership. And one thing leaders need is resilience. Dealing the, the ability to bounce back to maintain a stable footing in the face of all this shit. Now I'm, I'm grown as a not physically obviously, but I've grown as a as a as a man, um, very much in the last five years by learning, be, becoming better at one thing, and most of that is resilience. Because the the history of this is I've noticed, and this is going to be more than a minute now. You've done it. This is I've noticed in the last few years, last couple of years. I've had several men in their 30s, parents themselves, say to me, 
Um, you're, you're, I prefer you to my real dad because he's a bit of a waste. He wants to be my best friend. I just want to say you're a replacement for my late father. Um, you're my angry internet dad. And I had someone say to me the other day, um, an older chap who's probably late 40s, early 50s, said, you are like the older brother I never had. I've grown into that tribal elder role quite unwittingly and somewhat unwillingly because I was too fucking young for that. But it's the job I take seriously. And since that started happening, and it probably started when when Elite became to kind of really gel, it's meant I've had to learn leadership and learn resilience because resilience, you can't be a leader without resilience. You don't have the luxury of running around in circles. You know, when in worry, when in doubt, run in circles, scream and shout. As a leader, you don't have that luxury. As a parent with children, you don't have the luxury of, of panicking, breaking down, not unless you want to be a good parent. As, the, as I'm the patriarch of my family, as the patriarch of my family, the one who's holding the fan when the shit hits it, I don't have the luxury of breaking down, of crying, of being weak, of not being resilient. And resilience is a skill. Yeah? I'm sure some people are, by their nature, more resilient than others. I think my being autistic and anorexophimic help. But it's also a learned skill. And people choose not to learn it and then complain when they're not it. You know, a bit like sales, really. They complain because I don't make any fucking sales, but they won't learn sales skills. So I think resilience is is one of the, if not the most powerful skill you'll ever learn. Because if you're resilient, even if everything else goes wrong, you'll be okay. So your business plans, your relationship plans, your relationships themselves, even your physical and well, probably not your mental health because that's that's a bit more difficult. But if even your physical health, even if they go all go tits up, if you're resilient, you will come through it better. And even if you have mental health issues, being resilient through that to the best of your ability will mean you get out of it sooner. How about that for a summary? It's a three and a half minute summary and it's a great place to leave the episode, buddy. If you want to buy our book and you'd be fucking mad not to, considering it comes with the most unbelievable free gift ever, you can go to wellfedbusiness.com forward slash book upon purchase. You will immediately be added to the exclusive Wellfed Renegades membership site that is actually getting rather rather, rather quite lively. It is. Um, still a little, little bit of way to go, so we're hoping that you'll come and you'll create some noise with all your fucking problems. We'll fix them for you, and then you'll be like, oh, my God, we love you so much. Uh, here's my credit card. Swipe, and we will gladly take your money. But get the book. It's cheap as chips. Comes with the most unbelievable free gift ever. You get access to the Well-Fed Renegades group where you can talk about the podcast episodes and whatnot. And if you're a big boy or girl running a service-based business, typically making between... 500k and 3 mil a year you can email holly h-o-l-l-y at wellfedbusiness.com if you want to talk about what it what it might look like if we were to do something together but don't be sad if we tell you to go away you're not quite ready and on that note i'll see you later see you next tuesday